0: This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today.
1: This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated podcast. I'm your host, PWI Senior Writer Al Castle. Joined by
0: my co-host, Brian Solomon. How's it going? Good, good. I'm, I'm pumped after two days of WrestleMania.
1: I bet not as pumped as uh, I am. Uh, having just attended, just coming uh, back to the hotel room. Um, I was at night one and night two. Had a great time. Uh, we'll get into all of it uh, in, in a moment. Uh, but real quick, um, you know, let's say the last five years, where would you put this WrestleMania?
0: Wow, on the spot already. Well, well, it's it's weird because of the two night thing, right? So yeah. I would I would say that night one, if we took night one as a WrestleMania on its own, it is probably is the best WrestleMania in years. I, mean, I agree. Yeah, maybe of the past five years. Um, and um, tonight's show was a a decent show. It was a good show. Um, but it sort of brought the average down a little bit. So if, if we combine the two, I may not say that, but yeah. but night one, holy cow, night one was like the, the dream of what WWE can and should be.
1: Yeah, I very much agree. I mean, that was my thought leaving the building yesterday, that if there was no night two of WrestleMania, this would be the best WrestleMania in years. And And as you said, sort of expecting it, to uh, come down a little bit just because the second night's card wasn't as good. So uh, I think everything night one lived up to or, or in some cases way exceeded expectations. And even if everything met expectations on night two, it wasn't going to be as strong because the expectations were going to be more tampered because the, the card wasn't uh, as good. Uh, but but we'll get into all of it. Uh, a couple things, just a, a real quick plug pwi-online.com pick up our latest issue it's a wrestlemania a coverage issue of course we put together before we even knew the card but uh prophetic nonetheless because on the cover is uh, one of the big stars uh, of wrestlemania bianca belair the new smackdown women's champion um and uh, we've got our hot seat interview with her with her that uh uh, kevin conducted and uh, a fun feature i put together uh I think it's eight what-if WrestleMania main events, kind of alternatives uh, to uh, WrestleMania events, Main events that we did get, uh, ones that we didn't get, and, and uh, why we should have, why they would have been better. Uh, a lot of fun. So uh, go check it out. Just go to pwi-online.com, subscribe. You could get uh, one issue. You could subscribe to the print edition, the digital edition, uh, whatever you like and also uh, listen to the podcast there, subscribe to it, get the PWA Weekly Newsletter, blah, 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 blah. Let's talk WrestleMania. Um, first of all, again, I went to both nights, had a great time, been here in Tampa uh, since Friday uh, with my family. We've really had a blast. Kind of great getting back to to some normalcy. Uh, but I, I should say for, for folks watching on TV, uh, it, it was really, I think, well-run. Almost I mean, pretty much everybody had masks on all the time. Um, in their seats, maybe less so, but WWE did a really good job, I think, of, of distancing You know, where we were seated. We, we had bought tickets for night one and night two, so we had four seats together, but the row in front of us was empty, kept empty. It wasn't that they set, uh, didn't sell the tickets, but that's the way they did it. So we had uh, our whole row in front of us empty and a seat or two next to us empty, and that's how the whole stadium was set up. Um, so I think they did a, a good job of uh, being as careful as possible. Everybody had to, um, fill out a, a health screening form on an app to get into the building. Um, so, uh, very much thumbs up to them. One thing I wondered just to kind of set the scene is, you know, I haven't gone to a lot of WrestleManias in, in my day. I think it's my 13th WrestleMania. One of the cool things is like how, how WrestleMania takes over a city, and all the signs and stuff. And I didn't know if this year with the pandemic, whether that would be the case, but it very much was. I mean, um, certainly in, in, I'd say downtown Tampa, but even beyond that, you know, a, a 10 mile, 15 mile radius, you can't drive a block without seeing a poster somewhere for, for WrestleMania. So it, it very much. Uh, and, you know, the, the hotels have shuttles and it, it really is kind of the talk of the city. So uh, that's really cool that it's, that's back to that. Uh, so I, I loved it. Uh, one thing I, I want to say, having gone to the last two Wrestlemanias before this with um, that you could go to, 34 and 35 in New Orleans and, and in New York a couple of years ago. And by the end of them being half asleep and having two cranky kids, uh, I am sold on two nights of WrestleMania going forward. I think it's the way to go. hundred uh, percent. They both went by really fast, you know, combined you had. I guess about eight hours of WrestleMania. So so maybe even I guess as much or more than they were doing in the last few years. But um, you know, it, it goes by so much nicer. I thought about that at the end of last night's WrestleMania thinking, what if this was only the halfway point, you know, w- w- it would have been brutal. Uh, so, you know, I guess the other way to go is just make WrestleMania shorter, but I, I really think this works. I mean, I, I wonder if they keep it going forward. Um, especially if potentially they could sell out two nights. Uh, but but the other part of that, it, what I really liked is, you know, the space. You know, I, I liked people not being on top of each other. It still felt like a really big event, uh, but but you did have kind of breathing room. Uh, I liked it a lot. How You know, I had the perspective of being there. How did you think it, it looked uh, watching uh, on TV? Did, did it look Different from from past WrestleManias, was, was there a different feel in in it not being as packed as it usually is?
0: I think with the the way that they lit it, um, actually, it it didn't look you know because we've all seen those those stadium cards where you know the place is like two thirds empty and it winds up looking so sad the crowds even if you've just seen photos and stuff and uh, it it didn't appear that way at all and I think it all had to do with lighting like. You know, it wasn't like super brightly lit up like it normally would be where you could see every single person in every seat. So it didn't draw attention to the fact that there was so much, you know, so many empty seats. You, you, you definitely I mean, I, it was not a big deal. Uh, the thing that was most affected for me was the noise. So I definitely felt that um, I, I, I'm sure live it was different. It, it always is. But uh, the crowd noise very often just did not come across. And I think part of it might have been because it's this big cavernous stadium, old yeah. stadium with only 25,000 people, you know, one third full or whatever it is, or maybe less. And so there were times where I'm going like, why the heck is this crowd so dead? Like, especially Lashley and McIntyre, the first match on the first night, the first time back in front of a crowd. And, and the crowd really felt flat. They, they didn't at other times. Like, the, obviously, they came alive for Bianca Belair, or at least it, it sounded that way, and they did for the main event tonight and things like that. But for, for a lot of the time, I felt like the, the noise definitely was lower than you would want it to be for a show like this.
1: Well, well some perspective on that. Uh, for one, I think everybody was still kind of jarred by the whole uh, right. uh, rain delay
0: thing. And, and, and the there was old, probably... Right, yeah,
1: too. Yes, and, and there was also probably a certain amount of fans that were still... In in the concourse level, um, and it, yeah, it, it got off to, to such a weird start. The, the other thing that that's worth mentioning about last night, especially the beginning, was everybody was soaked. So um, it it was pouring rain uh, just before WrestleMania started uh, yesterday, and and it rained really throughout the night. Uh, so you know we got here Friday and we're just burning hot, and it's been eighty five degrees and humid, and so you know, we show up to WrestleMania in, in shorts and t-shirts and sure enough, if there's a downpour before we get into the building, uh, I guess I should have just monitoring the the weather better to, to know that. Uh, so, you know, you had 25,000 fans who were freezing cold and soaking wet all night. Uh, and, and uh, that, that hurt <laughs> the, uh, and I think it speaks to what a good job they did that, that everybody still had such a uh well, I guess I'll speak for myself. I, I, I still thought night one was the better night, even being as uncomfortable uh, uh, as I was. Uh, but but the other thing I wasn't sure of, and I'd ask you this, did you get the sense uh, at all, and I really don't know whether there was any piping in of crowd noise. And, and the only um, thing that made me think that is in, in the stadium, there was a couple of times where they replayed uh, stuff from earlier in the night. Like tonight, they, they did it with Randy Orton and The Fiend. Um, they replayed that later in the show. And the reaction that they showed in the video that we saw was a lot louder than than uh, and, and a lot more positive than what I could tell you uh, the crowd was being there. So did you get any sense that there was any piping in sound? Um,
0: you know, some of the people I was watching the show with were asking about that. And I felt pretty strongly that there wasn't. I mean, if there was, maybe in post, like what you're talking about, but not in the moment. I mean... It- if there were, then they would have covered up some of the things that were happening. Because one of the one of the fun things about them being back in front of a live crowd is you had, once again, the judgment of the audience, you know, yeah. crapping on things that they didn't like, that maybe we yeah. didn't want them to, like rejecting the Bellas laying out Bailey, for example. Yeah, I definitely and, want to talk
1: about some of that. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they, they learned a lot today.
0: And the finish of, of, yeah, the finish of Fiend and Orton, they were not happy. I don't think they were happy, honestly, with probably the entire feud and match in general. And they finally had their opportunity to voice the displeasure that they probably were just expressing in their living rooms up until now, you know? Yep,
1: that was my, uh, I tweeted a little bit about that. I thought that was the one silver lining of all that was that they, um, the fans soundly rejected it and now WWE knows um so so good um the the other thing uh, on this just in terms of setting the stage again uh well firstly on that I thought the the stage and the whole set looked fantastic one of the best I've ever seen one unfortunate thing is the the weather and it was almost prophetic because you know the theme and, and all the videos uh even since last year what showed like the the stormy seas and all that and right before the show yesterday, the, the winds, I mean, we you, you had basically hurricane force winds um, yesterday before the show. And it kind of beat up the set a little bit. So I don't know how well you could tell on TV, but the set was a, the big uh, a ship and then a, a sails over it basically flags. It's at WrestleMania. And before the show started yesterday, part of it was ripped off and it got worse throughout the night. And then I thought overnight today they would fix it. We showed up. It was even worse shape because uh, there was another big storm today, and I guess nobody was going up there in, in that weather to fix it. So a little beat up, but but that aside, um, looked fantastic. I, uh, the building just looked uh, so awesome. Uh, that ship looked great. Uh, w- the tons of pyro uh, I thought was great. The drones that was the ne- the new uh, thing this year, and they were just so awesome. And and from where we were you could see them in the parking lot in the back and and then you'd kind of see that they were setting up for something and then they would take to the sky when they first went up there. I didn't know what it was. I was like, what is that? You know, like a a hologram or something. And then you realize, Oh, those are drones. What did you think of the drones on TV?
0: I thought it was really cool. I mean, to be just like anything, any time, any other time they use drones. I mean, it's just a great point of view. It's a great angle. It's a great way. I don't mean
1: the, the, uh, I don't mean the cameras. I mean, the uh, I I don't know how much this this even showed up on. on, You might have thought that that it was like the the fake stuff that they do, the the virtual reality. But um, they they use drones to create these huge images in the sky, you know, whether it was Sasha Banks glasses or or the WrestleMania banner at the end of the night uh, tonight. Those were really in the sky.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah, there was like art in the sky. Yeah, I thought you were talking about when they were kind of showing the whole setup. They sent drones up to kind of film everything. But no, no, I mean, we all assumed that that, those were like the usual kind of like CGI graphics that they throw up there.
1: No, those were... I think they did some of the CGI stuff, but, you know, uh, at the end of the night, the WrestleMania banner tonight, I know they did it for Sasha's glasses. um, And there was a a few other... I think Drew McIntyre's... No, it was Sheamus's sword. So they had them. And from where we were, you could see them parked... Uh, in in the parking lot and they would just take flight and you knew they were going to do something. When they first went up, I didn't know what it was like, what is that? It looked like a hologram or something. And then you realize it was uh, drones creating these shapes in the sky.
0: Super cool. Very nice. Very nice.
1: Yeah. That said, as cool as the drones were and the pyro was, I think they really need to think long and hard about um, ever doing WrestleMania outside again, because the thing about, you know, early April, late March is that um, it's you're, you're in, If you're in the Northeast, it could still be pretty cold, right? I mean, there have been, you would know this, there have been Yankee games, Yankee Yankee opening days that have been snowed out. So that's always been a risk in the Northeast. And even the rest of the country, um, you know, it's April showers. And and these last two nights in Tampa have been torrential downpours. I mean, they really lucked out uh, tonight that that the rain stopped just before the, the show started because... Um, all day. It was just a deluge out, outside. And yesterday, everybody got wet all night, but but at least they were able to put on the show after that awkward uh, rain delay. Uh, but, you know, I wondered what, what would happen if the, the rain did not let up uh, for, for two nights and you've got people from all over the country. Um, they, they really, you know, what, what would the contingency be? And, you it's not like football or baseball where you could go ahead and, and put on um, the game. You can't have wrestlers wrestling in in the pouring rain, um, and and even though they had a roof, you had you know it was this was wind driven rain. So every you know yesterday in particular, they spent the the, the first hour of the show just just wiping down the ring. Everybody had towels. They they brought down the cage before the show to to wipe down the cage. Uh, so. I don't know. I mean, I know it looks good on TV, but but uh, I I think they'll be happy next year uh, under a roof in uh, Dallas.
0: Yeah, it's incredible to think that nothing like this has ever happened um, before, at least as long as, you know, uh, Vince McMahon has been running WWE. I mean, in all all the years, I mean, I know there was one year I'm trying to think of where it almost happened, but 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 nothing even close to like what happened uh, especially in night one, uh, I mean, there have been in the past, like you know, there's a, there's a story about the um, the first showdown at Shea in '72. They had yeah. pouring rain, and and San Martino and Morales were literally just like you were saying, they're rolling around on a on a soaking wet mat. And back in those days, they had um, most of their business was walk up, so the people would just show up at the box office on the day of. And so, so like their business was killed. And, and that, that dream match that people talk about was, was the, the gate was a dud because of that, because the weather was so horrendous, but that has hardly ever happened. And it is, it's like, it's almost like you're, you're, you're really tempting fate. Yeah, it's incredible to, to think of. And, you know, every time there's been a show like this, that thought has always crossed my mind. What the heck are they going to do? I'm sure that there's contingency plans and whatever the case may be. But God, especially on a show like this, where it's the first one back, what a downer that would have been if they would have had to cancel it.
1: I mean, I think uh, a contingency would be. Um, you got to give everybody a refund. I mean, you could you could rebook it for another night, I suppose, uh, but you can't count on everybody being able to show up. So I think they, they really dodged a bullet and, and they really should think long and hard because uh, I mean, to say the least, that was an awkward opening to WrestleMania uh, yesterday. You know, you had to, I, I thought a a, a fantastic uh, opening with when, when everybody came out of uh, the roster and Vince McMahon, welcome everybody back a real nice moment. And then the video package and then, you know, everybody in their seats is like waiting for the pyro to go off. Here we go. And instead, it's, you know, you get to bring it out to saying everybody's going to clear out. They put on on the big uh, Tron there, weather emergency, you know, like seek shelter or something like that. And uh, it was just so bizarre. Uh, how did that play uh, on TV? I mean, I think it's fascinating, like, that that is now WrestleMania canon, right? I mean, if I'd be curious if, you know, when they put out the Blu-ray or the DVD, does WrestleMania start with you know, 30, 40 minutes of, of backstage promos, what what did you think of all that?
0: I just loved uh, how WrestleMania was actually trending yeah. on Twitter. Michael yeah. Cole actually got that over. That was amazing. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it was such a weird start because you know we we were hearing leading up to it. Oh my god, it's weather weather's really bad. We're checking in on social media, and they're talking about they may have to cancel, and people are being evacuated. But once the pay per view started. We're thinking, okay, things are looking. I guess this is going to be all right. And then all of a sudden, the first thing we said was, oh, my God, there's no pyro. What's going on? And then they did the Vince McMahon, you know, opening. uh, And I think they did the national or America, the beautiful. And then they immediately just said, "Okay, we're not going to do anything for a while. (laughs) Yeah, it was really strange. And of course, we should talk about those unscripted promos. Wow,
1: I didn't get to to see them that much. I mean, I was in the in the concourse uh, with everybody right. else, huddled together, and I did take my phone out and watch some of it, but I, but I didn't get to to hear them as well. Um, but but I think you know one of the cool things, and and this is one of the things that wrestling's kind of lost over the years is that sort of spontaneity. So you know, it was awkward, but I also thought it was sort of cool that WWE had to think on their feet and all the wrestlers had to think on their feet and, and, you know, just build time.
0: It was great watching them do that. I mean, people had differing opinions on that. It was so funny. Like there were some people going like, well, I guess this is why we know now why they have to, you know, script everybody's promos and why they should. And then you had other people like me going, hey, they should do this more often. Yeah, absolutely. Great, except for Braun Strowman. Don't ever let him do it again. <laughs> Everybody, no, no, but really you could see, and it was funny because you could tell they were scrambling for people that could really talk. Like they brought Kevin Owens out and he didn't even have a match until the next night, but they probably, you know, they were, they rightly said, okay, this guy could really, could, could fill time convincingly. And, um, you know, it was fun seeing them just talking and letting their personalities in. I thought Seth Rollins was hilarious, you know, in doing what he was doing, you know, in his interview. And some of these guys, their their personalities come through so much better. And you can tell they were scrambling, obviously. But, but yeah, I thought they did a great job with it.
1: Yeah. It's worth noting, I mean, from the time that that they cleared us out and then we came back into our seats – the weather really didn't change. It was raining when they sent us out. It was raining when we came back uh, to our seat. So I was sort of surprised when they sent us back because, uh, but I guess the threat was um, it was more the lightning than, than the rain. They were willing to, to put on the show in the rain. Um, what, one last thing in terms of, of the set, I was wondering if, if this was acknowledged on TV or uh, visible at all, did you see the fake fans, the, the cardboard fans?
0: Um, you know, I thought for a couple of minutes that that was the case. But like I said, the way it was lit, it was hard to tell. It was like, you know, and and I'm sure on purpose, like you can see silhouettes. But unless you really, really focused on it, you couldn't you wouldn't really know unless you really thought about it, that that they were that they were, you know, cardboard cutouts. But but after two nights, eventually, you know, you get wise to it.
1: Yeah, it wasn't that much. There was one section on the floor. I think it was just starting to be like the risers there. It it was the uh, opposite the the stage, uh, and it was all cardboard fans. I actually I think it might have been you know cardboard fan, cardboard fan, real fan, cardboard fan, cardboard fan. Uh, I think and and I wondered why that section because it was only the one part of the the whole stadium that that they did. And the fun thing today, seeing everybody clear out, is that some some people got their hands on some of these cardboard fans. The the <laughs> the hotel room right next to me. The guy's got it on his window. <laughs> so uh, one of the neat souvenirs. Uh, so let's jump into to the show. Uh, first, real quick, uh, what did you think of Titus and Hogan? You know, I, I was under the impression that one night was going to be Hogan and one night was going to be Titus. I think this worked better, I guess. Uh, but but I I never thought it worked all that well.
0: Well, uh I'm really starting to think that maybe the idea of a WrestleMania host is really not a great idea. It just I understand why they want to do it. It's like you can get somebody who's like a huge personality or a legend from the past and put them on the card and give them something to do without feeling like you have to give them a match or some like hokey vignette or like in ring, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but I don't I don't think it ever really works. So so well. And honestly, you know, it, it it's a fact right now, unfortunately. And, and it's such a shame that it's come to this that, you know, Hogan's legacy is so tarnished that uh it, it seems to me that he can't really get out from under this. It, I, I feel like the fan base, especially because it's a younger fan base, the fan base has really turned on him where he doesn't really seem to have the cachet anymore. Like that crowd, especially tonight was aggressively against him. And if really?
1: I I didn't get that being th- there a person. That's interesting.
0: Yes, there was a whole thing tonight. I didn't really catch it last night. Last night I honestly, because I was watching for it, I felt like it seemed okay. But tonight they were doing that thing where it's like when Titus would speak, they would cheer loudly. And when Hogan would start, they would immediately start booing, like before they even knew what he was going to say. And it was very clear and, and, you know, look, it is what it is. And people have different opinions about it. And obviously like he apologized and people questioned the authenticity of the apology. And I get that. I understand that. But certainly to an older generation, you know, Hulk Hogan is WrestleMania. They wouldn't be WrestleMania without him. They probably WWE probably wouldn't be in business right now without him. They probably would have never made it out of the eighties without him. So, there, So there's always going to be a portion of the fan base that will support him. I think no matter what. Um, he could eat a baby on television and I think they would here for him but but for the younger fans they don't have that baggage so to them he's he's the guy that said racist things on tape and that's the main thing they know him from so uh this is a it, it's a damaged brand and I hate to be saying that but if I'm Vince McMahon watching this I'm thinking to myself wow do I even ever want to put him on TV again like what's my upside
1: that's interesting because I uh i I don't think you're wrong i i, I... I also concluded that he's just not as over as he used to be, but I thought more, and I guess they're not necessarily mutually exclusive, but I thought it was more just kind of a generational thing. And the fact is that the the fan that grew up with Hulk Hogan, you know, for whom Hulk Hogan is, is wrestling, the biggest star, um, they've aged out, you know, and and now Steve Austin and, and the rock and the undertaker and, and even John Cena mean more. And, and Hogan is, to uh, a, a generation or several generations of fans, sort of what Bruno Sammartino was um, to the generation before that. It's like you, you know he was a big deal, but you right. didn't live through it, so it doesn't mean as much. Um, but uh, yeah, clearly, I, I mean, I, I guess the thought was Tampa. He's sort of the you know the the, the mayor of Tampa. Everybody knows it here. Um, but uh, yeah, I hadn't even thought that much about about. the the backlash, but I, you know, I, I, the two could work together. You know, you have both fans who weren't around for him. And as you touched on fans only know him as, as the guy who made those racist remarks. So uh, the, the, the event kicks off with Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre for the WWE championship. I love this match. I thought uh, for my money, the best match of, of night one, uh, maybe the second, for me, maybe the second best match overall, Uh, of the weekend there's a couple other matches in contention for it but uh i thought very much on on the uh the, the high side of expectations two big heavyweights hard hitting uh love the suspense and i might be alone on this i love the finish i i i mean short of that sloppy distraction thing um I, I did think that was all that well executed but i liked bobby lashley winning with the hurt lock um get him over or, or keep him you know over uh strong uh, i really liked it how about you
0: i did too because you know we were talking about how there we got a feeling that the whole point of this match might have been to give mcintyre his big wrestlemania win in front of a crowd that he didn't get to have a year ago And in hindsight now, I'm really glad they didn't do that. Uh, I did think it was a very dominating, convincing win. It was done very well. I didn't mind the distraction spot because it may not have been pulled off in the best way, but what I I thought the thinking behind that was they still want to protect the Claymore kick uh, very much. So they don't want to have Lashley have to kick out of it. And obviously if he's going to win the match – if McIntyre were to hit it, he'd have to kick out of it. So it was their way of getting around that. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, it got sabotaged. It got screwed yeah. up. So he, so he never hit it. So they never have to address it. I do feel with a finish like that, and I did love it. I do wish that they still do, that they still did the whole f- three-arm drop thing. Because I think that in a full Nelson or a sleeper and things, because I think it makes it more... Uh, it sells it more to the crowd that the guy is out and that the match needs to be stopped, you know, when you raise the hand three times. Uh, yeah. I thought that would have been a little better, but I don't think they really do that spot anymore. But but, um, but um, it was, I did like the convincing win, and I feel like um, this feels to me, and I'm not saying that I love this idea, but it does feel to me that McIntyre is kind of out of the top picture for the for yeah. future. I mean, a loss like that, a clean submission or whatever you want to call it loss to the heel in the main event. I mean, I think he's, he's, I mean, that experiment is over in my eyes right now.
1: I, I had the same thought. Yeah. I mean, it did feel like kind of turning a page uh, not permanently, you know, I imagine he gets back in that mix, but it did feel like we're moving on from this, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and, and cause you, you could do the rematch. I don't know. if There's that much interest in a rematch. I'm sure it would be really good, but no unless go. you're going to put the title on him,
0: I don't think there's any way to where to go with that after what they did. I mean, it's over. There's no, there's nothing to build. Yeah, on.
1: yeah, and and not to jump the gun, but I thought it was really interesting, and I thought a good decision um, to have both heel world, heel world champions retain uh, in in WrestleMania because there there wasn't somebody really uh, set up to beat them. I, I, I think over the years at WrestleMania. Uh, you know, WrestleMania historically is where where you crown that new champion, the new babyface star champion. Uh, and I think over the years, sometimes that's kind of been forced, and and they've gone through the motions, even though that guy really wasn't set up the right way. And and this year, they could have had Drew beat Bobby, they could have had Daniel Bryan or or Edge beat Roman. But the reality is that the the hottest acts right now are the heel, you know, heel Roman Reigns and heel Bobby Lashley. So why change from that? It's it's just not time. Uh, so so I I liked uh, the finish in both those matches.
0: Um, yeah, I did too. Ahead. I'm sorry. No good. Good. No, I was gonna say. I I mean. Uh, I I think it was the right way to go. I I feel like, you know, some people were complaining. You know, it's their first show back in front of a live audience, and you had so many heels going over, and all the heel champions. either winning or retaining and i i didn't really i I didn't think that it hurt the show at all honestly you know i was thinking back to usually you know obviously wrestlemania usually ends usually has a happy ending you know and you can count the few times that heels kind of have gone over in the last match in the main event you know especially because i'm talking about tonight's show uh the second night and um I'm thinking like, I I guess Seth Rollins would be the last time when he cashed in on Brock Lesnar. And I know The Miz, right? I think The Miz when he beat Cena for the title. Triple H was
1: the first one, I think, back in, in 2000, yeah.
0: And I was thinking of that one in particular because that is the last time and the only other time that a heel champion retained the title in the main event To close out wrestlemania those are the only two times wrestlemania 2000 with triple h and then this one
1: yeah yeah um so we'll get there uh so so uh night one a second matchup. i thought yeah i think it's fair to say i guess it's got some competition but certainly it's in the mix for worst match of the night not surprising you know that this tag team turmoil match um with the women um Unfortunately, you know, when you have a match like this that you know is not going to, you know, frankly, not going to be very good, the the upside is you usually get in and out of it very quickly. But this format of essentially having to put on four matches uh, or I guess at least three matches um, necessitated that it was going to be a little longer and it was. It was 14 minutes. It wasn't very good. Um, It was, you know... The old, it's the cliche, but everybody worked hard, of course. But the reality is that that this was not the upper tier uh, for the most part of the women's division. And, uh, you know, I I can't help but think of of a lot of talented wrestlers who were left off this show. And, uh, you know, some of the people who are in in this that, I don't know. I don't want to say that they don't deserve it because I'm happy to see everybody get, get that stage Uh, But at the end of the day, this did not make for good entertainment.
0: No. And, you know, it felt like the only time on the card where, and this used to happen much more often, where it was that match where they were just like, all right, let's fit in as many people as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Like the WrestleMania
1: 20 format with with the five-way tag team championships, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So
0: everyone gets a payday. Right. And I felt like even if you want, because I do think that there should be more women's matches, if you wanted to do that, you know, they didn't have to have this terminal thing. They could have just had a set women's tag team title match for night two. And then night one, they could have maybe had Bailey do something other than, you know, what she did, which is yeah, far which less, was nothing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which is what far less than what she's capable of doing. They could have had her doing something, you know, uh, it, there really was so, so many better ways they could have handled that spot for sure.
1: Yeah. And this was, it was almost in, in totality, uh, uh, laughably sloppy because the sloppiness began <laughs> before, uh, uh, well, no. So, so I mean, this will be remembered for for Mandy falling down on the way to the ring. For the announcer slipping up and um, announcing the wrong team uh, as, as having uh, advanced, uh, it was just a disaster in, in every way. And uh, I don't know why it was on the show, especially with, with that uh, WrestleMania SmackDown episode they did Friday where some you know, some matches that could have been on WrestleMania were put there. You'd think this would have made sense there. Uh, so yeah. Um, next up I think was the, the men's tag title match, right. Uh, uh, new day versus AJ Styles and uh, Omos. Yes. Um, you know, for, for what it was a, a showcase of Omos, I, I thought it was fine. You know, I, I think they, Uh, uh, booked him uh, in a way that limited his uh, or hid his limitations Uh, the only shame of it is that you got a talent like AJ Styles at Wrestlemania and I don't know that he was in the ring for five minutes and and, uh, it's just a shame I guess the talk was that he wanted to work with Triple H and Triple H ultimately um, you know he wasn't up for it this year but uh, it just seemed like a waste of AJ Styles
0: yeah and I mean but and I I came into it thinking that way and I still I still think that he could have done something better but you know I was just blown away by by O'Mas I thought the handling of him uh, that is the way that you book a really big man like that and I mean like they obviously like people have been working with him because you know it it, it was partly obviously he was protected by the people he was working with who were great but he he knew what to do and when to do it in terms of like his facials and and his 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 just his ring presence uh i thought like he he came across as a really impressive giant you know like basically everything that you would have wanted great collie to be but he was not you yeah know? Uh, and and i'm sorry to say that because he went into the hall of fame the same weekend Yeah. But but he was horrendous. He was a complete stiff. And, and this guy looked great in there. You know, to the average casual fan watching, the kind of fan that doesn't know, like, oh, my God, this guy really probably doesn't know how to work all that well, they did not get that impression watching that match. The impression they got was, oh, my God, this guy's unbelievable. And I yeah. think that was a job well done.
1: Yeah, it, it's faint praise. But the one thing that he could do that, that the other wrestlers of his size and body type um, you know, Kali being one, uh, uh, giant Gonzalez being another that they couldn't do is, uh, run. Right. You know, I mean, I, I don't ever remember seeing Kali run or, or, uh, giant Gonzalez run. And, and just that spot where he was running between, uh, the corner posts was something seeing a guy like a legit, legit seven footer, uh, run in the ring is kind of something to see. I mean,
0: that Uh, that intensity that I liked, you know, Guys, guys like Kali and Gonzalez, half the time, they look like they didn't even know where they were or what they yeah. were doing there. You know, this guy had has intensity. I, I like it a lot. And,
1: um, you know, I, I guess the if you're going to have him on the roster and do something with him, I guess it makes sense to pair him with a guy like AJ Styles who can do the work, uh, provide the athleticism, and then you tag in and you have him do the the, the big spots but you do wonder in, as a singles wrestler, uh, I mean, there's gotta be a pretty low ceiling, you know, no, no pun intended for, for him as, as far as what you could do with the guy. But, you know, for one night uh, he was fine. You know, something that stood out to me in, in this match and really in a lot of matches, I think what's kind of a, a recurring theme at WrestleMania is uh, opponents that made um, their opponents look great. And, and uh, in, in this case, it was a new day and, and Kofi in particular when he was just killed at the end of the night, you know, that, that big uh, slam that, that knocked him out. I mean, he just, he looked like he died in, in the ring. Uh, so, so good for him. I mean, it, putting him, uh, putting him Omasa over uh, very, very strong. Uh, next up, let's see, going through this. Um, again, same theme here, Cesaro and, and MVP. I thought one of the better matches of the whole weekend uh, lived up to expectations and uh, very much felt like Cesaro's coming out party. Funny because the guy's been around for a long time, right? I think they said uh, something like 10 years in WWE right now. Mm-hmm. And um, this felt like, you know, the, the star making match that, and, and that clearly was how it was positioned. And to me, the MVP of the match was Seth Rollins, who uh, really seemed to kind of be putting in the overtime to uh, make Cesaro shine as much as he could. And it worked you know the the crowd was was way into Cesaro by the end of this by the end of the match.
0: yeah, it came across as a as a true elevation really yep. And there was a little bit of that years back when he won I think it was the year he won the Battle royal and and then he got Paul Heyman as his manager and it kind of wound up going nowhere. This felt like something more than that for sure. This was something big that they really need to capitalize on and continue with because the people really went for it and they like him and they want to see him in this position. And I think they have wanted to for a long time. I I think that this should really be a springboard now it would be an absolute shame if they wasted this. Cause I think that the whole point was you could even tell by the commentary and everything that they really are trying to get him to that next level. Now.
1: What, What do you think his, uh, his ceiling is, I mean, do you see Cesaro as a guy who could be wrestling for the world title in main events? Could he, could he be a world champion in WWE?
0: I think, I think yes, he could. Um, as far as like how soon that happens or who he's working with, it all depends on who it is and who, who they pair him up with. You know, I don't know if they decide to move him from brand to brand or whatever. I think, I think it, he's the kind of guy where it really makes a difference who he's working with like I can see him main eventing for the title with a Daniel Bryan or or even even with a Roman Reigns I can't see it with a Bobby Lashley I, I I don't know I don't think that would come across well just because I think it would make him look he would come he wouldn't come across very strong especially as a baby face with a heel like Bobby Lashley so I I think it, it just depends who it's with you know but 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 they're smart enough I think that if they really want to keep him at that level, they'll make sure they put him in there with the right people.
1: Yeah, I gotta say I'm a fan. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. I do question uh, his his upside. Um, I, I think he could be a a main event challenger on kind of an off brand pay per view, sort of like I I don't know a backlash or something. I I don't know that he's the guy you build around or or a world champion. Um, I, I think he's been under, underutilized to an extent, but I also think that there are some uh, very real kind of limitations with him. And it's not athleticism. I just think there's kind of a, a little bit of an awkwardness with him uh, that, that is tough to get past. Uh, and I mean, tonight is as, as good as I, I have ever seen him uh, look and, and the most I've seen um, fans embrace him. Uh, but I don't know, you know, he's not going to have Seth Rollins every night. Not that he's the kind of guy that, that he needs to be carried, but I thought that chemistry worked uh, particularly well. And and Seth being so hateable really helped him um, kind of shine as a baby face. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm all for giving it a go. Uh, so we'll see. Um, I believe the cage match was next. Uh, Shane McMahon and, and Braun Strowman. Um, I, I guess I'd say this was on high the high side of expectations. We knew it would what was going to be, you know, building up to a, a big bump. We got it. We got a little more in that, that spot, which I liked more than the big bump uh, of pulling him through the cage. That was uh, innovative and and creative and clever. Sometimes you have things that are, you know, innovative, just for the sake of innovative and, and sort of dopey. Um, this one was one that I really didn't see coming, And when they did it, I thought it was pretty well executed. So, so that was fun as a match, you know, not a whole lot there. Uh as a spectacle, I, I thought it was fine.
0: Yeah, I, I was just this was a low point, the low one for me. I mean, not as low as as the as the tag team turmoil, but this was just it just left me feeling like I don't know why does this even need to happen at this point? I, I don't know what Shane is doing at this point, why he feels the need to be doing this, if he's being. Pressured into doing this, it just felt to me like I'm at a point now where I watch a match like this and I'm going, "Could we just find a high place for him to jump off of and get it <laughs> over with and get on to the next thing?" It's like you know, it's it's 2021. For the love of God, can we can we not? <laughs> I, I, I I'm sorry. I, I just uh, the, the match did nothing for me, uh nothing at all. Even even the bump that he took, it just felt awkward and dangerous and I'm just, uh, the way he came down and it d- didn't even feel like it served a purpose. Um, it, it I don't know th- this, uh, it's just, it shouldn't, this is not a match that should have happened.
1: You yeah. Know. You think about that Bob. I mean, th- the bump was spectacular and, and all, but it also, um, you know, at, at least from, from, from where I saw it, 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 it felt too much like Shane, just jumping off a cage rather than being thrown off a cage, right? I mean, uh, it, yes. just the way. And, and I think that's probably just out of necessity when you're you're a guy like Braun Strowman that size hovering on, to, on top of the cage. Um, and Shane, of course, wants to land exactly how he wants to land, so it's going to be him doing more most of the work. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought in the video package tonight, um, kind of recapping last night's WrestleMania it made for some good, you know, quick snippet highlight moments. You know, if you hadn't seen the match, you'd think it was better than than it was because it had um, those couple of spectacular spots between him taking that dive and and ripping the cage. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it was what it was. Uh, um, After that, let's see, what did we do? We had the Hall of Fame. We talked a bit about that. Um, It was fine. I mean, no no big, kind of a shame that so many of the guys weren't there. Uh, in between a uh, Liger and uh, Shatner, uh, obviously uh, David Boy Smith. So you ended up with, I guess, what two or three actual Hall of Famers on on the stage, right. um, but uh, that was fine. Uh, then next up was, um, I think, the, the the surprise of really the weekend, uh, and that was the the Bad Bunny match: Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus uh, the Miz and Morrison. Uh, uh, firstly, uh, uh, I wanted to, to revisit something that we talked about on the, on the last podcast and kind of questioning, you know, who is the audience for this guy? Is, is he really bringing fans? Uh, being there in in the arena, I could tell you he was one of the most over people of the entire weekend. Um, there were definitely tons of people who were at WrestleMania just for Bad Bunny wearing, you know, they, they had um, uh, they're selling the merch here. They opened a, a, a WrestleMania merchandise store they were selling bad bunny branded wrestlemania shirts loads of people had them you know a lot of young people um uh, a lot of latino fans going crazy over him you know cheering in spanish rooting for him in spanish so uh and and in person got one of the loudest reactions of the night and everything he was doing you know kind of the the cliched uh you know when when a baby face hits the, the the heel yay and and the the heel hits back boo Every spot he did, there were fans who were going absolutely crazy for him. So um, he definitely had the audience and I think did move the needle. And uh, beyond all that, just did a fantastic job, right? I mean, I mean, I, I think he ends up very much on the short list of best uh, celebrity wrestlers. Um, this goes back to something I touched on again, the, the, the theme of the night you know, these veteran pro wrestlers uh, working really hard to make somebody look good. And, and that was definitely Morrison of the Miz, uh, but he more than held his end. You know, we, I, for so long, I think, you know, the, the, the question was um, or, or the expectation was that it was going to be the tag team match. And they finally did change it to a tag team match. And the thought was, well, he, he's, you know, he can't handle a singles match on his own. He ended up working almost the whole match, right? I mean, out of a, a 14, 15-minute match, he was probably in it for 10 or 11 minutes. You know, Damien Priest was hardly in the match at all. And um, I, I thought just looked fantastic.
0: Yeah. And, and for me, this is the classic example of the thing that I always talk about, which is how I long ago have learned the wisdom of understanding the difference between what I personally enjoy and what is for me and what is good for business and what works for their audience and what is a smart thing to do business-wise. And this absolutely was a smart thing to do business-wise for sure, for all the reasons you said. Uh, He deserves a lot of credit for the level of dedication that he brought to it. You know, he was not slumming. He wasn't embarrassed to be there. My understanding is that he was working with Adam Pierce and Drew Gulak. They were the people that were assigned to kind of get him to where he needed to be. And then once he was in the ring, I mean, you know, uh, clearly he's being carried, but he's being carried yes. by people who are consummate pros. And they're doing it in such a, a kind of non-egotistical, uh, low-key way. And, and they deserve all the credit in the world for that. Um, and I will say, and, th- and this again, this is my personal bias. one thing I tweeted was About the match was, you know, it's a good thing that the business has already been thoroughly exposed for like 20 years. Because if it wasn't already, then that match would have been the one that did it. Because anybody watching then is gonna go, well, I guess anybody could do this, you know. Yeah, (laughs) this little skinny guy is just beating the life out of all of these experienced pro wrestlers and just handling them. Uh, he's doing a Canadian <laughs> destroyer, yeah. so clearly it must not be as impressive as we thought it was. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like that—that's the thinking that I sometimes worry about. But but I just I don't think that's as much of a factor anymore because you know the difference between a bad bunny and like you think about some of the other celebrities, whether they whether they lived up to hype or not. If you think about people like Tyson or. Mr. T or Floyd Mayweather or whatever, these were tough guys. You know, these were celebrities, but they were intimidating guys that had a rep for being tough. And I know they really tried to get that over with Bad Bunny, talking about how he grew up on the streets and he'd been in in a lot of fights, you know, but you still have the visual of this little skinny guy, you know, doing all these things. And me personally watching that, it's it's hard for me to get into. I I enjoyed his enthusiasm and what he did. And I thought, and I was very impressed because I came in thinking he wasn't really going to be able to do much of anything and it was going to be a mess. And it wasn't, but you know, just my own personal bias, my own personal taste, those were my issues with it. But in the end, that doesn't really amount to a hill of beans. And I understand that. So
1: (laughs) I do think, you know, uh, the, the wrestling fan and the bad bunny fan saw him in two completely different lights because the the bad bunny fans, there were a lot around me, um, you know, saw him as uh, a guy with street cred. You know, like uh, a tough guy, and he was going to beat up these these chumps. You know, and uh, you know, go get him, bad bunny. And I, I don't think they saw him as. You know, I think I think the wrestling fan, used to the six foot five, two hundred and sixty five pounds, uh, wrestler, sees this. You know, little skinny short guy, and uh, yeah, you see him as that. But, but I do think his fans saw him differently. I mean, I, I, I think they, they absolutely saw him as a credible threat uh, against uh, these two. And and in retrospect, I really think, you know, Morrison and Miz were just the right guys for this role, both because um, they could show ass, right? I mean, they're those kind of heels uh, who, who are happy to make fools of themselves uh, and because they're both, Veterans now, right? I mean, both those guys got to be right around forty, and have been doing this for what fifteen years or, or more, and uh you know knew how to get this guy over. So they deserve a ton of credit. You know, the people you mentioned, Gulak and Adam Pierce, deserve a ton of credit. The, the offense that he got was was really uh interesting and and and, and clever. You know, a lot of moves. You mentioned um, the um, the Canadian destroyer that if you know how the magic behind it, you realize that it's the guy taking the the move right. that is doing almost all the work, but it's spectacular, right? Whether it was that spot or the other one with the, with the scissors where he's spinning around, um, you know, fans go crazy. And uh, that's the point, you know, that, that, that's, that's the magic of wrestling. Right. Uh, so uh, yeah, but I mean, really a high point of, of almost the entire uh, event. I thought his intro was great. Uh, and, and again, I never heard of Bad Bunny before a couple months ago, and he he absolutely exuded star power. So, do do you think that should be it, or is there more to do, do here? I mean, is there a singles match with the Miz? Uh, do you or do you just kind of you know that's well, the it? You cut there.
0: Thing, the funny thing was on t- on the second night's show, there was that brief kind of yeah. commercial where Bad Bunny came out with Triple H, and you know he hands him this briefcase or whatever it is, and. You know, it, when it first came on, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. A lot of people, I'm thinking, wow, th- it, this feels like it's it's the promo for the next pay per view. Like, like is, back? Yeah. yes, coming back. He like, is he going to yeah. be a backlash? And it turned out to be, you know, a, a, an ad for his like concert tour. You know, which which is cool and all. But I mean, I remember thinking when I thought it was the next pay per view, there was a part of me watching that going like, this feels like the natural progression. Like, <laughs> like I I, I kind of get this. That he should come back be- because there was so much heat on that match and, and it came off so well that, yeah, I could see that they would want to do more. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna, but I mean, like, I, I think it would probably make sense to to try to do more with them.
1: Yeah, but how
0: much can you push that? I mean, can oh, no, I'm you... not saying he's he's winning world titles or anything. <laughs> I mean, like, I could see taking, like, the Miz feud and things a little bit further than that, maybe bringing someone else into the mix a little bit. Like, I could see getting a little more out of it.
1: If they do a, a singles match, him uh, and Miz, whether it's Backlash or, or whatever, um, d- does he win? D- does
0: the Miz need to win, uh, you know? well because they could always say i mean even though the reality of watching the match doesn't bear it out but they could always say that you know um he couldn't handle it on his own or he had uh, you know too much help from his partner and how do you think you can do on your own like there's always that angle yeah yeah in the end you know i'm fine with them winning you know the the fact of the matter is as much as it drives some fans nuts usually more often than not in, in these celebrity appearances for matches, the celebrity wins. I mean, because that's, yeah, not not always, you know, there are sometimes rarely where they don't, but I mean, it's usually for that feel good moment uh, because the celebrities that, the, that get brought into wrestling are usually popular celebrities that not people yeah. that are known for being heels in, in, in life, you know, I mean, I think the only one I could think of where it sort of felt like it was going to backfire was when they had Trump in there against McMahon and how yeah. he was positioned as the babyface. And even back then, half the audience was booing for him. You know, that was kind of weird.
1: Yeah. Well, I think there might have been a case similar to, to that uh, tonight, and, and we'll get to that with uh, Logan Paul. But uh, yeah, I mean, just to wrap up on on Bad Bunny, uh, I, I uh happy to say I was very wrong uh, on this one, you know, w- when I first saw him come out in the Royal Rumble, not having, you know, not, not being familiar with the guy's work. Just roll my eyes, what is this guy? This is awful. Uh, but I, I think this turned out to be a huge success for them. And, uh, you know, we've given everybody credit, but, but The Miz in particular, I, I think is often maligned. Uh, I, I think kind of like Baron Corbin, sometimes it's a testament to him playing his role too well. Uh, but, but Miz, you know, fits a certain role and th- this whole, um, you know, uh, experiment with, with Bad Bunny, I, I think is evidence of, of uh, what, how important he is uh, to WWE. And, and, uh, I, I think he's one of the more important guys. And, um, so good for him. glad to see get him get this moment. Um, moving on, pulling up my notes here again. What was after this? Uh, I guess it was the main event, yeah. Uh, Bianca Belair and uh, Sasha Banks uh, for the SmackDown Women's title. The crowd was very much into this as a main event. I mean, it wasn't, uh, I don't think at all any kind of, um, you know, really, you could headline with women. And, and I, I you know, I talked about all the, the Bad Bunny shirts. There were tons of Bianca Belair shirts too. So uh, she was very much one of the big stars of the weekend. Uh, here in Tampa. And I thought this was terrific. I think in execution, the match wasn't quite as good as, um, I I thought it would be or could be. Uh, it felt a little short. Uh, I, I think between going too long or not long enough, this is the better of the two. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly from, from NXT last week. Uh, which was the opposite uh, situation, where they went way, way, way too long. Uh, but this could have used a few more minutes. You know, when 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 the finish came, it was a little bit of of you know, and it reminds me of of the last women's main event at WrestleMania a couple of years ago with Sasha, Becky Lynch, and Ronda, where you're just sort of like, that's it. You know, that that was the the finish. Uh, all, all that said, and, and it still was a, a terrific, maybe terrific is exaggeration, a very, very good match. But to me, this was about the celebration, and and this was, uh, to me, one of the all-time great WrestleMania celebrations, you know, up there with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30 and um, uh, Kofi Kingston a couple years ago. Uh, I I thought it was just beautiful. I was hoping Montez Ford would come out. He did. Uh, I thought it was just a a beautiful, awesome scene to uh, wrap up night one.
0: Yeah, I, I do too. Um, I just I, I was a little more enthusiastic about the match than you. I mean, I felt like um, in in looking at the two nights as a whole. And I know we're going chronologically here, but when I'm looking at the whole uh, of the entirety of it, as far as the actual match itself, you know, I thought the triple threat main event of night two was the best match of the entire card. However, um, this match, Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Is the WrestleMania moment of the show by far. Not only that, but I'd rank it up there with, with one of the greatest WrestleMania moments of all time. Like it's one of those moments that watching them stand across the ring from each other before the lockup. I mean, like that's almost in terms of how I the iconicness of that and how I feel it'll be replayed in years to come. That's like a that's like a whole Kogan Andre the Giant stare down. Twenty yeah. years from now, in packages for WrestleMania, that's going to be the one you see forty thousand times till you're sick of it, and deservedly so. And the match itself, I had no problem with the length of it. I mean, God, it was probably about the same length as, say, Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania three, which is the one that you know no one that no one ever shuts out up about how great it was. And I thought, you know, a lot of times. These big matches, these main events are so overbooked. And this was, you know, the flip side of that, where it was so economical. They did what they had to do. Every single move that they made mattered. There was no filler. It was, it was, to me, it was for what they had to do. It was a perfect match. It was, I mean, the crowd was so into it. They had them in the palm of their hands. I thought it was beautiful. And she, I mean, both of them, but she, Bianca Belair, is, is an incredible total package talent. I mean, she's like, she's phenomenal. She's a complete, she's just got everything you want. I mean, even down to just her facial expressions, the way she sells everything she does. Um, You know, she and Rhea Ripley are like the two, you know, they both are coronated and they're both these incredible new female talents. Of the two of them, I, I think though, Bianca is the one who, even though they're both green and they're both relatively new, she doesn't seem as green. She seems like such a natural that she almost seems, she seems like she's been doing it for way longer than she has. She just has it, whatever it is, she has it. And and this, this match for everything about it, it just blew me away. I absolutely loved it.
1: Yeah. I, I, I really liked it too. Um, she is uh, really, you know, the, the shooting star, right? I mean, um, once in a lifetime and it's great. You know, we get on WWE a lot for missing the boat on this one, missing the boat on, on this one. They clearly saw it in in her right away because, you know, it wasn't even the case where she was, you know, being squandered in, in NXT for years at the time. Her rise was, was relatively quick through WWE and rightfully so. I mean, I think every step along the way, people saw the, this girl is really, really special, and and moved her up uh, the card um, at at the right pace. And yeah, I mean, she's a freak. I mean, you saw the 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 gorilla press walking up the stairs. I mean, uh, my, my jaw dropped. I mean, it, yeah. it's incredible. She she is uh, uh, such a talent. And um, you know, the other thing that and we've done here done it here also. You know, talk uh, uh, get on WWEs. You know, they they don't always have the the best record. Uh, on issues of race and things like that. But uh, talk about historic, especially, you know, given um, everything that's gone on in the last year, two black women headlining uh, a WrestleMania uh, one night. And it wasn't patronizing. I, I, I don't think it was any, I, I think it was the right match, the right main event. It just fell into place. And um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, for, for, for all of WrestleMania being about great matches and, and all that, uh, it's also about moments, obviously, and uh, I think you touched on that. I think it was the WrestleMania moment of of this year was that whole match and um, the celebration afterward. And it was it, it's cool when when you see uh, you're witness to something that feels real, right? It wasn't a contrived, put on uh, celebration or anything. I mean, you were witnessing real emotion. You saw it from the moment she, the match started and she seemed to be like welling up, um, even, even before the match officially began. And after she won, um, I hung around until she left the building and it took a really long time because clearly she was soaking it up as much uh, as she could celebrating with her family at ringside, uh, just super, super cool moment. So, uh, yeah, I think that was the, the, the feel good moment of, of the entire event. Um, so let's move on to, uh, tonight as we touched on, not as strong a card, uh, both in design, you know, in, in the, the layout, uh, and in execution, let me ask you this. What, what if any changes would you've made in the the layout? I mean, do you think, um, there could have been an effort made to kind of even it out more over the the two nights. You know, I I sort of feel like it worked out fine that you had um, a a really good card, you know, pretty much top to bottom the first night, second night, not so much, but a really strong main event. So I think in the end it it worked out fine. You got to close WrestleMania on a real high note.
0: Yeah. I I wouldn't want to sabotage night one by kind of like, you know, yeah. matches around and things like that. What I might've done is maybe change things around as far as how the matches were presented in night two. Cause I thought uh, my initial assumption was going to be that they were going to do the flip side, you know, whereas night one, you opened up with your, with your men's world title match and you closed with the women. I thought they were going to reverse it. And have I thought show, the
1: same thing. Yeah.
0: And I thought that would have been much better. Have the show start with Rhea and Asuka and have it end with the men's triple threat uh, that Orton and Fiend match. It just, it it started it off with such bad will. It's like the night. Yeah, started yeah. And the Crowd's already turned on you that that set the tone for the night. I, I really think it did.
1: Well, yeah. When, when uh, I thought the same thing, I thought they'd open up with the, the raw women's match. When I saw them opening with White and Orton, I actually thought, well, this might be a good idea kind of get it out of the way sort of thing while fans are are really excited um, and are maybe more up for kind of anything. Uh, but it was so bad, you know. Well, let's, let's talk about it. You know, we both have low expectations for this. To me, this was on the low end of my low expectations because, we, you know, what I had said when we were previewing the show is my only hope was, look, this is just a wrestling match, n- no stipulations, at the end of the day, Bray Wyatt and Red Orton are capable pro wrestlers. So maybe for all the gimmickry that that will surround the match, there will actually be, you know, the actual content of the match will be good. And it it was just a wrestling match outside of the spectacle, and it was a crappy wrestling match. It was it was just boring and pedestrian and awful. This whole thing absolutely stunk.
0: And I'm watching it to you know, with my son, who these days is much more casual of a fan as he's gotten older. And, you know, he's almost a man now. And he was a huge Randy Orton fan when he was little. And he watches this and he's just he's just kind of scratching his head. And he's like, dad, I don't understand. Like, is Randy the face? Like, if he is like, how do we buy him? You know, again, this is my son. You have to understand. So he's pretty smartened up, but he's like, how, I don't understand. Like, is he supposed to be the good guy? Is the fiend? Like, I don't understand. He, he couldn't get the dynamic even of what was happening, and I think that 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 was part of the problem with the whole storyline. Is is none of it ever made any sense? And the whole the levels of whatever invulnerability the fiend has. It changes from minute to minute. The one, one minute they're shooting him with a rocket launcher and he's fine. And then the next minute, Randy Orton hits an RKO and pins him. You, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It, it yeah. just makes zero sense. Uh, but like you said, yeah, the, the match itself, even if you took all the gimmicks out, it would have been a terrible match. And and the finish was, you know, not what people wanted to see in any way, shape or form with just the, the way they pulled it off. And then even – even with you're waiting for some big revelation, and instead they just all disappear. You know, yeah, it,
1: it, it yeah. Was
0: Not it, it was a complete flop.
1: Yeah, and and I, I don't know uh, how much of this was caught on TV, but you know the lights went out, and um, I I guess what we were supposed to see is lights come back on, and they're gone. But even that was timed wrong. I I don't know if this came was visible on television again but they weren't quite gone yet. So, you know, the lights come back on and the door's like slamming on the top of the box. It just looked like crap. I mean, it, it was the, the one, you know, again, one of the, the trying to be optimistic, I thought uh, the, the one upside here might be because it's live, uh, the, there'd be a limited amount of gimmickry in terms of a lot of stuff they've done in post-production. And how they the one compliment I have, how they started this with the the fiend's entrance, walking down the tunnel, that whole video bit and coming through it burned and then going through the fire and coming back as, as the regular fiend sort of healed up. I thought that was cool. I I, I thought that looked great. Uh, If if they left it at that and then put on a decent match and gotten out of it, you know, I would have been much more okay with it, but the whole thing with the, the Jack in the box, it was just an absolute disaster. So glad. And we talked about this, you know, that, they, they finally got a reaction from the crowd and the reaction was absolutely negative, a rejection of this. Um, I hope that sends a message loud and clear, uh, because like the bad bunny thing, right. I wondered, well, is is there an audience here that I'm not aware of? Uh, but I don't know that there was, I don't, I don't see a ton of, you know, I think once upon a time there was, but I didn't see a whole lot of like people wearing fiend stuff or anything like that. I, I just don't know that that character is over anymore.
0: And how crazy is that? Because there was a time when it seemed to be like he he was, he was all anyone wanted to think about. And they were talking about, you know, making him into this huge, like weird baby face champion. And I mean, it seemed like, you know, he, he was everything for a brief moment in time. Yeah. But it, it just they goes to it. show, right. But, but I think it goes to show and we talked about this a little at the time, if I remember. Things like that, 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 there's only so far you can go with it. You know, we were mm-hmm. even talking about it when he was with Rollins, and Rollins was like trying to murder him in the ring. And the, you know, how far can you take that? And the answer is not very far, because this is what happens: it burns brightly, and then it just burns out. It it, it doesn't have legs, uh, and and that's what uh, has happened here. It's just. What what a strange career I feel like uh Bray Wyatt has had in in WWE. It just feels like, you know, he he's a talented guy. He can he can do what needs to be done, but it's like he's always on the cusp of just where you're watching the character going like what can they do next with this guy? He just seems dead. Like like there's yeah. no, there's nowhere else to go. Like they keep saying, "All right, now he's reinvented again." And he's reinvented again. Yeah. Like, how many times can you do that? I feel like they may need to just completely start over, you know?
1: Again, right. yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, this is like the third or fourth time where they're at the point where uh, I, I think like the, the overwhelming call of fans is you got to take them off TV. You know, this is not watchable anymore and you need a big reboot and um, you shouldn't have to be doing that. You know, uh, every career has kind of its ebbs and flows and times where you got to pull back and maybe take a guy off TV f- for a few months to freshen him up. But th- this is now in the last several years, you yeah, have third or fourth time where it's like sort of this this emergency <laughs> where you like, you need to remove this from television right now. You know, uh, do, do you think this is the last we see of The Fiend for a while? I, I don't know what that whole bit was with Alexa. I mean, it felt like, you know, setting up another chapter and all this. And God, I mean, to say the least, uh, I, I am not interested.
0: I don't think it's the last time we're seeing him because I think, I think so either yeah they were trying to tease now, like what is the relationship between him and Ugh. Alexa, like, did she betray him? And if so, like, what's the purpose of this? Like they want us to be asking those questions. So I don't think he's going away unless they decide to actually listen to fan response. And, but I mean, I don't think the plan is for him to go away at, at all.
1: Yeah. And and for Randy, I mean, I'd really like to see uh, Randy get into a program with a really good wrestler and remind people that yeah this is a guy who at the end of the day uh it can be is a terrific wrestler it's again it's it's so strange that the guy who who uh fancies himself this sort of wrestling traditionalist purist third generation wrestler has spent so much of the last two years uh embroiled in this kind of stuff you know I, I, uh so i i don't know what it would be who it would be and maybe we're due for kind of a uh, a Russell roster of uh, uh, what do they call them? You know, when these drafts or whatever the, the shakeup, uh, I guess comes sometime out of Wrestle WrestleMania. So uh, maybe a, a change of scenery, move over SmackDown, Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns. I don't know. Uh, but, but yeah, he, he needs to get far, far away from the, they did. They just absolutely bring out the worst in each other. So hopefully it's the last we see of those two for a long, long time. Um, what else we go from that to, uh, the women's tag team match. Again, not a whole lot here. It was fine. Um, you know, better when, when Shana and, and Natty were, were in there than when the other two, uh, were in there. But, uh, you know, f- feels like one of those matches, where a couple of years from now, it'll be a, a trivia question. What was the women's tag team match at WrestleMania? And you'll have no idea. Oh, I remember there was like some kind of match to decide the winner, uh, but just completely forgettable.
0: Yeah. It, and, and it makes you marvel sometimes at how people can vacillate from year to year. Like, you know, the last time it's Shayna Baszler and she had Becky Lynch, you know, yeah. the hottest thing going. And, and now she's in this and, uh, you know, it, it was better than the tag team turmoil from the night before, but that's a pretty low bar, obviously. Um, I thought there's a few problems. I mean, Nia Jax, um, I mean, look, I, I don't think I'm going out too much on a limb here. It is just not a very, she is not a great performer, honestly. No. I, I mean, I gotta be very, very blunt and, and direct. You know, there've been times where she's been dangerous Um, she's clumsy. She just doesn't, I hate to say it, but we we know her, you know, family pedigree and stuff. And you almost wonder if it wasn't for that, if she ever would have even gotten an opportunity like this. I mean, you know, it's great that she has a unique look. I love the fact that, you know, she looks different from most of the women and that's been a positive for her, especially the women that WWE uses, but, uh, I think she brings the match down, you know, and and, like I said, Shayna being like lost in the mix there is not a good thing um it just it just was what it was, you know, it wasn't anything amazing but but in a way I with with matches like this at WrestleMania that are not terrible but they just they are what they are they also serve a purpose cuz we all know you know i mean like part of the way they book these shows and they plan it all out is you want to bring the crowd up and then you kind of want to bring right. them down a little bit and then yeah. bring them back up you know and i'm sure i'm not going to feel great if i was one of the wrestlers going into a match thinking ah this is the match that's meant to bring everybody down like i don't know yeah. what they think about Going into that, but I mean, that is partly intentional, you know, that way you don't burn the audience out and it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It, it just no. was, uh, you know, it, it took up some time on the card and that was it.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, of, of the women, um, who could have been in this match from the tag team turmoil match, clearly they, I, well, I mean, I, I guess the right squad might have put on a, a better match, but, uh, certainly not going to complain about Natalia, um, uh, getting a title shot at, at WrestleMania. So uh, I, I was fine with that. Uh, but right. Yeah. I mean, they can't all be four star matches. I think part of my disappointment, and I don't know if other fans share this and, and this is nobody's fault, but my own, uh, it, it was expectation or, or hope that there was something more because on paper, that tag team turmoil match, was so underwhelming that I was hoping, thinking, expecting that there would be a, 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 another surprise uh, entrant, you know, knowing that Bailey was on the show, knowing that Charlotte was on the show, um, wondering if Becky could somehow be in the mix. And again, m- maybe a lot of wishful thinking, and I don't know how realistic it was. But when um, Natty and – were they the last team? They were the last team in, right, at the, at the tag team turmoil, turmoil match on, on the first night. When they came in and then they scored that that final pin and the bell rang, I was like, "Oh, so that that really is it. That's what we're getting tomorrow night, you know." Uh, and yeah, a little bit of of, of a letdown. Um, so next up tonight was uh, uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens with uh, Logan Paul. I thought from from a, a work rate um, standpoint, maybe the second best match uh, on on the show tonight. Uh, and, and as we talked about, I get a kick just out of this match being at WrestleMania, given all the history between these two guys. So I really liked it. You know, um, t- to me, when, when you talk about, again, not, not everything can be that four star range. I prefer when it's closer to this where it's sort of in that three star range, just imminently watchable, fun, doesn't overstay its welcome, um, well executed. Uh, I, I thought the stuff with Logan Paul was fine. I, I wonder... Uh, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but but it sort of reminds me of when Floyd Mayweather uh, came on years ago, and, and the original plan was for him to be a babyface aligned with uh, Ray Mysterio, and then along the way it became so clear that fans weren't buying it and didn't like the guy that they called an audible and then made him uh, the heel against Big Show. And I kind of wondered if that was the case here because uh, I thought the setup might be. You know, Logan turns on on uh, Sammy and then celebrates with Kevin Owens. But but it's interesting because not even having fans in the building, you know, with Thunderdome the last few weeks, WWE somewhere along the way realized I guess people don't really like Logan (laughs) Paul, you know, and and uh, because he was clearly you know treated like a like a heel by fans and they seemed ready for it, you know. So so uh, I, I thought this was executed the right way.
0: Yeah, and it was weird because I mean I have I had even in my own limited familiarity with the guy, I already had a sense that he was pretty thoroughly hated. I mean, just just because you have a huge online platform doesn't mean people like you you know yeah i mean again my son who's 17 years old is and much more plugged in on that kind of stuff youtubers and everything is going like oh my god this guy is like the worst you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like like, so i think uh yeah i I mean I, i think that was an obvious one it was nice but it was nice seeing those two guys like you said getting that wrestlemania spot Um, I also thought, honestly, I mean, I don't know if it's everybody's cup of tea, but I actually like what they've been doing with Sami Zayn. I like the the way his character has taken this conspiracy turn. It, It feels like long term, like character building, just thinking about how much his character or his persona has changed without becoming a completely different you know it's not like he's been repackaged into someone else he's still Sami Zayn so you you know it's really interesting I I like what they've done with it and and it also gave a little bit more depth to the match instead of being like oh it's (laughs) Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens for the 8,000th time like it felt like something new and fresh and different and and worthy of being on the Wrestlemania card because of not just those two guys and their history, but even just because of the, of the presentation as a whole.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, it's supposed to be some kind of political commentary, what they're doing with Sami Zayn, but I'm not totally sure what it is. Cause, no. cause I mean, on the one like hand they, you've got like the conspiracy theory stuff. So it's like, is this like a shot at the, the QAnon, you know, type folks, but on the other hand, he's walking around dressed like Che Guevara. So uh, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not exactly sure what the message is there.
0: Right. I mean, yeah. And I mean, like, it's one of those classic wrestling things where it's sort of like everything is such an archetype where it's like, okay, he, he is the conspiracy theorist with a capital C and T, but it's never actually clear what on earth the conspiracy is that he's obsessed with. And it doesn't even really matter. You know, it's just this general, like people are against me, but it's just, you know, wrestling for me is just this huge symbolic thing. And, I, I like it when it's like that you know I don't need to have everything spelled out for me like that you know you know what I mean i I, I yeah. don't mind it I like that oh you, you watch it and just go, oh yeah, he's a crazy uh conspiracy guy, I get it okay, cool you know that's yeah, it yeah
1: what what do you think of of the job Logan Paul did I mean he did have a whole lot to do, but for what he did, I thought he was he was fine,
0: yeah, and you know uh one thing I was thinking though was you know especially because this is a guy he's a podcaster and he's known for you know, speaking, I kind of thought, like, why wouldn't they put him on commentary during the yeah. match? Instead of just kind of sitting there making faces, I kind of thought that that would have been a better use of him. And then, you know, coming in the ring and taking the stunner was great. I mean, as telegraphed as it was, it doesn't matter. I mean, that is the satisfying moment that the fans want to see, and you got to give that to them. I I, I was wishing, you know, for Stone Cold Steve Austin at that moment. yeah. That
1: would, I, I, I thought about that. Yeah. I, uh, I'll, I'll have more to say, but still to see us later and, and uh, next year. But, but, um, uh, you know, Kevin Owens clearly is still very much over, you know, he's just coming off of the feud with Roman Reigns. So you can't plug him right back into that. But, but coming off of this, it does feel like you need something for him. I'm not exactly sure what it would be, but, but something in that, that upper mid card uh, level, maybe it's Apollo Cruz. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I mean he's he, he's he's great. He's a great talent, and yeah, he's a nice that, job. I think at times he struggled a bit, not by any fault of his own, because I don't. I think sometimes they don't quite know what to do with him because he is so different in appearance, you know, from their from their typical. And I think sometimes that that maybe, and, I, and I'm thinking of Vince specifically. He may not always see him as a guy that he can put in there with some of these guys that look like, you know, you know, ancient Greek statues, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think sometimes that's the issue with him and again, it shouldn't be, but I think it is.
1: Yeah. Uh, So uh, next up a quick segment backstage, I got my RVD Riddle uh, exchange that I expected. Uh, I don't think they got everything out of it that they could have, but, but nevertheless um, they did it. Uh, Then we had uh, Riddle and Seamus. In, in terms of uh, what we just talked about, but kind of, you know, how, how do you divide up the matches between the two nights? It did feel like there were too many one-on-one uh, uh, kind of mid-card, you know, the d- d- decidedly mid-card uh, men's singles matches uh, on this night. Like the fact that back-to-back-to-back, back, uh, back, we had uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, uh, Riddle and Sheamus and um, Biggie and Apollo Cruz, those all kind of feel like they, they serve this, the same kind of purpose, the same spot on the card and having them back to back to back on the show, I really thought kind of slowed things down. It took something away. I mean, I, I think night one had more of those big attraction matches, whether it was the cage match or, or uh, bad bunny. Um, and, and this just felt like filler basically, you know, and, and it made up a good, you know, good chunk of the show, probably an hour of uh, the show altogether. Uh, so maybe that's something that they, they could have addressed. Uh, but, but this match was, was another good match, you know, well-worked. I, I think for the live crowd, what they'll remember is that uh, a good portion of this match, they, they turned the screens off. So I don't know how much of that was evident in, in um, uh, on TV, but, you know, over the years they've done that. I, and I have heard that Vince Man wants people, you know, looking in the ring and not watching on the screens. But right. when you are in this big, cavernous stadium, it's just unrealistic. I mean, where I was, if I was forced to, to watch the ring, I'm watching two, you know, ants wrestle. So you need to have them on. I, it happened a few times. It didn't happen at all on night one. It happened a lot during night two. Uh, and for a lot of this match, so I don't know how much of that came through uh, on TV, but but the reality is there was a good portion of this match where France couldn't see very
0: much. Yeah, um, I as, I mean I, I don't know about that. It was it was hard to tell from a t- from a TV perspective, obviously, but I do know that you know th- this match actually surprised me. I have to say, um, uh, talking about Sheamus and and Matt Riddle, I, I thought and and this. Is not something I would have thought going in that it was the second best match of night two. After really, match. yeah, you liked I, it more than
1: Owens and Zane.
0: I did, I did okay. And, and again, I, I'm just talking, uh, and again, I, the storyline, the angle, and the build for Owens and Zane I thought much, much better because the whole build of Riddle and Sheamus is you hit me with my scooter, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, but, it's not, so, yeah, but I mean, like when the bell rang actually in the ring, you know, working their match, um, I was, I was greatly surprised like I, I only because i just wasn't even thinking of this match i just thought it was going to be a nothing i i gave it very little thought i'm just you know whatever i almost forgot they were having it and again i'm i'm just i'm not generally a huge sheamus fan i'm just not he uh, just does nothing for me but this match really i i enjoyed it a lot i mean yeah it wasn't main event worthy or anything but it was a pretty great match i i it really uh impressed me I thought these, these guys worked great together. I didn't think they were going to, and they really did. I'm glad that Sheamus made that decision that he wasn't going to accidentally kill Matt Riddle when they were on the top rope together.
1: Yeah. And what, they, you know, again, I think that was a, a part where the screens were off. So I uh, started from very, very far. And w- was that just a box or, or like you said, that it seemed sort of like a decision of like, well, I, I am not totally comfortable up here. So let me get down from here.
0: Yeah, that's really what it was. He had him up. It was very awkward. You could tell they were supposed to do some kind of slam from the top. And Seamus just said, No way. I'm not doing this. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna paralyze somebody. Yeah. And he climbed down and just, you know, and it wasn't, it was one of those things where, you know, you can't really fault him. You know, it would have been really disrespectful. And I'm glad the audience didn't turn on them for that. It was the right decision. You know, you don't want to hurt somebody, you know, these guys. Their health and well-being are in each other's hands, and that was the right thing to do. But, but yeah, I mean, overall, I I, I really enjoyed this match. I mean, uh, especially with Matt with night two being um, not as great of a night, it was a match that stood out for me.
1: Yeah, well, what do you think about the, tra- the trajectory of, of of both of these guys? I mean, Sheamus doesn't need uh, the U.S. title. Um, you know, he'll just add it to his collection. It, it doesn't feel like it, it's that significant in terms of his resume. Um, riddle it does feel like they're kind of onto something uh with him e- even as much as that character's kind of been you know vince mcmahonized you know for, for, let's let's lose matt let's lose his first name first name and give him a scooter is very much like the vince mcmahon treatment uh, of a guy who was uh, organically really popular before he got here uh but he I still think he's sort of connecting with fans. I mean, I think young fans kind of get a kick out of him. Um, I I think he could be something. Do you think that they see that? Do you see him losing the title tonight as um, a a lack of confidence? Or is it potentially the opposite if the idea is, look, sometimes losing a mid-card title is actually an elevation.
0: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. It, it didn't come across to me as them kind of giving up on him. In fact, the the feeling I got at the end of the match, I'm almost wondering if they're planning to maybe adjust him or tweak his character a little bit. Like it reminds me a little bit about what they did uh, of what they did with Orange Cassidy in AEW, where they quickly realized like there's only so far we can get with this guy who kind of stands there with his hands in his pockets and doesn't do anything. And it's funny for a while. And they started to have to sort of adapt him and do things with him where he'll, he'll get a little more serious or he'll do that, or he'll have a little more depth to him. And I feel like that may be where we're going with riddle where it's like, you know, you run the risk of having him just become this goofball comedy act. And I don't think that's what they want him to be. So I'm thinking they may kind of retool him just slightly and, and, and I don't think that they're giving up on him at all. I think this is just kind of a new chapter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the next match is um, the drum fight, the Nigerian drum fight between uh, Biggie and Apollo Crews. Uh, to me, this is one of, one of the big disappointments of all of WrestleMania. There were other matches that weren't very good, but I didn't expect much out of them. This is one uh, that really let me down. It, it was just nothing. It was a... a kind of the worst version of a WWE weapons match, um, not particularly creative or, or exciting or anything. And, um, you know, ends with the with run-in from Tunde. Even that feels sort of, you know, uh, like a, a copy of AJ Styles and Amos, where you've got kind of the smaller athletic guy now with the, this giant muscle behind him. Uh, this is just such a letdown and, and, uh, a shame because I think these two in the right circumstances could really have had uh, a showcase match Biggie in particular wrestling in Tampa, a guy who who we said, you know, some months ago was thought of maybe even being, uh, in, in a world title spot here just ends up losing a, a bad forgettable match.
0: Yeah, it, it seemed, um, you ask yourself, why did they even bother with this stipulation? Yes. Yeah. What was the point? I almost got the feeling that maybe the stipulation was originally supposed to be something else because all it was was a weapons match. You know, I yeah. mean, I understand sometimes you you like to kind of put a bow on these things and give it a, a different name and a fancy name. And, you know, wrestling's always had like Sicilian stretcher matches and, you know, Greek death matches. And in the end, it, it doesn't really mean much. It's just the same thing, but it's got a different name. I get it. But, I mean, this is WrestleMania. And you, you got to come up with something a little better than that for this. Yes, it was a waste of Big E. And, you know, I've been giving this Apollo Cruz thing – Nigerian thing, really the benefit of the doubt, and going like, you know, uh, this is—I'll see what they do with this, and maybe, you know, this is the, the 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 and the guys of Nigerian heritage, and it's great. And look, I mean, Ivan Koloff was French Canadian, so I mean, who am I to complain? But you know, I, I watch something like this, and I go, I, I don't even understand the point behind all this now. Like, I really was hoping Biggie would be in a much better place by now, and you know, this guy's got enormous potential and upside and, you know, he's 35 years old. He's not getting any younger or something like 35, you know, now is the time. And what, what in the world are they doing when I see, when I see a match like this, that's what I think.
1: Yeah. And how did somebody not end up with a drum on their head? I mean, I thought that was a (laughs) given, right. When you're talking about a Nigerian drum fight, that's basically a weapons match drums were barely came into play. I think at some point one of them grabbed like a, a gong but it just knocked him out of his hand and that was about it right that was like the end of of the involvement of drums in this match so uh just terrible yeah um then we had uh this night's uh hall of fame class uh come out uh i I think a little cooler because everybody was there right so so you got all uh well actually no ozzy's not there but everybody else was there um you know the the cane pyro uh, warmed up everybody for a moment uh, and yeah, just a neat little moment. I, I, to me, like the, the feel good one of this whole class is Eric Bischoff. Right. And, and it's just cool seeing a guy who's like created a lot of controversy, obviously over the years, but um, has his detractors, but also to me, to me, you know, uh, undeniably contributed so much uh, to wrestling, but for the competition, so uh, to get that moment uh, on the stage with his ring, uh, I think there's a lot of love there uh, among the fans for Eric Bischoff. Uh, that was a nice moment,
0: I thought. And a guy that they just fired a few months ago. Yeah. Again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think uh, he said something to the effect of like he couldn't believe it, that that they were inducting him and not just inducting him, but inducting him now When when that had just happened not so long ago like maybe he could have seen it in a few years or whatever like like he was pretty amazed by that uh but yeah i mean oh my god if if wwe is now looking at the hall of fame as which i think they are as you know the hall of fame of all of the wrestling business because they became the whole wrestling business then of course you know they have a responsibility to induct people like him i mean he he was the 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 only you know wrestling head honcho of any company that even briefly w- was beating Vince McMahon. So I mean, yeah. how do you not put that guy in the Hall of Fame? Of course you do.
1: What, what does it say that WWE has somehow made Eric Bischoff this sympathetic figure, you know? Uh, and and you know the, the other part of that was, uh, and I think there was a fair amount of backlash uh, from this, him, him being snubbed in last year's um, Hall of Fame class with the uh, NWO induction. I think most people thought that that NWO induction should have included Eric Bischoff, and uh, I think it was the backlash from that that led to him getting his, his own induction this year. But but even the the video that they showed for the NWO induction um, last week, Bischoff was all over it, and, and he created the thing, right? I mean, if if, if he shouldn't be, yeah, uh, I, I think you could have made the argument that he should be in it twice, you know, like some of the other guys, and he, he should have been inducted both in the 2020 and 2021 class you know for his own contributions and uh as part of the nwo which he's absolutely synonymous with i think
0: that's a uh, nice point yeah that that i hadn't even put that together i was i was getting too caught up about wondering if big show would have gone in if he hadn't jumped over to AEW. yeah interesting i think he belonged there just as much as sean waltman did you know
1: yeah um so next up was the the raw uh, women's match um, I, I don't know how this played on TV. I can tell you it, in person, uh, the, the crowd was kind of down for this. And, and we talked a little bit about this. And I think part of it is that Rhea's not really over. You know, um, uh, they, they just introduced her to Raw fans um, some weeks back. I mean, granted, she was in the mix last year for WrestleMania. But then after doing that, they spent a year really doing nothing with her. And then I think they sort of expect everybody just – to to be in love with her after her barely being used uh, for a year and uh it it, i i think they expected an investment from fans in her and her story that just wasn't there uh so I, i think you know this was given a lot of time i think it was well executed uh but i think the fans just weren't all that into it because they weren't all into the very much into either personality this match
0: Yeah, and I think this is why you need the live crowds, uh, because I even was taken a bit aback by that. Um, The match itself was great. I thought they did a great job, and I still thought it would have been much better if it had opened the show. Uh, But it's one of those things where you look at Bianca Belair, you look at Rhea Ripley, they're both these incredible relatively new, up-and-coming, you know, former NXT female talents. You know, they kind of parallel each other. They broke out in the May Young Classic originally, and they are they have incredible potential. But you really see now when you watch the two nights that Bianca Belair is significantly ahead of Rhea Ripley yeah. in where she needs to be. And, and it all comes down to uh, just, yeah, how over they are. I mean, she the crowd was just not with this match. And I think it hurt the match because you're thinking on paper, right? This moment should be nearly as good as what Bianca's was. I mean, it doesn't have the historical historical aspect to it. And it just, it wasn't to that degree. It was still very nice to see the both of them elevated together like that, but it just wasn't uh, really in the same realm as what we saw. And, and, and it's also because, I think just Bianca Belair is just a, 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 a much more of a natural to the business, whereas Rhea Ripley needs more work. She's got great potential. Her look is incredible, and, and the way she carries herself, she's a great promo. In the ring, she just needs, needs work. She's really, really green, and I think the crowd actually threw her off her game a little bit. Whereas a very seasoned pro is not gonna allow that to happen. So I, I still think she has a huge upside, but uh, this was just an unfortunate bit of timing for her, I think. Yeah,
1: we, we talked a little bit about this in, in um, the show previewing this card, but this felt a little forced, right? A little kind of sw- square peg round hole. and it's like uh, I think there's realization that they were onto something and um, they they pulled back too quickly. And I remember ahead of WrestleMania last year, they did this whole video package talking about her her dream of um, wrestling. And, and does she have, like, some connection to Florida? I think she might be from Florida. I don't remember. But it was a whole big thing about, oh, when I get out there in front of the Florida crowd, Florida crowd and my family there, it's going to be the realization of, you know, all these dreams. And they obviously weren't really able to have that moment last year because of the... Uh, circumstances of wrestlemania so it just felt like they were just kind of trying to redo what they didn't get to do last year and it just didn't feel organic you know it it, um the the timing just seemed off i mean it, it felt like they they got to this about a year early so uh we'll see you know but nevertheless you know um she absolutely could be a success and and i don't mind her in in this position you know some new blood as uh the top uh woman on on raw I think she'll, she'll do a fine job, you know, I think Asuka could stand to, to pull back a little bit. So uh, we'll see. Um, and uh, after this, we got, we got uh, again, to me one of the big letdowns of, of the whole weekend, um, you know, the, the Bailey segment. And I had a lot of anticipation for what this would be. I mean, after sort of this teasing over the two nights of her looking for a guest for her show and asking everybody around. And I, I think everybody's expectation and, and the rumor was out there was that it was gonna be uh, Becky Lynch. I wondered if it could be even more than that. You know, they they brought up John Cena or she brought up John Cena. Um, and, and I wondered if, you know, is he the surprise? I, with Charlotte also not being on the show and Sasha not being on tonight, I wondered if they could do something with the four horse women. You know, that'd be kind of a, a fun little moment. And in the end, it was nothing. It was it was a a, a nothing segment with um, the Bellas, awkward, um, sloppy, and and Hulk Hogan and, and Titus and Bailey, who had this amazing year, right? I mean, a, a historic year um, for a woman. Uh, that was her WrestleMania year. I mean, what an incredible letdown.
0: Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I know. It, 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 I, I really do agree. It was um, it was not really what what I would have hoped for.
1: Yeah, and and um, I, I don't know that I caught it on uh, that much in person, but did you say that it seemed like the fans rejected the Bellas?
0: Yes, that they, they did. I mean, that felt very clear. It was sort of like you know. I think WWE sometimes forgets that uh, you know. Yes, total total divas and. And total Bellas, huge ratings getters, and they really got a mainstream audience and people that don't even necessarily watch wrestling. But but the main WWE fan base, they they always liked to boo the Bellas. You know what I mean? Like they they were much better off as heels with them. And they love Bailey even as a heel. They just love her, and and you know she's she she's she's so entertaining in her role that when they came out and did that, yeah, the the crowd immediately started booing because they could see where it was going and they did not want to see that. And and they, they just um, did not approve of the Bailey's laying out uh, of the the Bailey's of the Bellas laying out Bailey. It was like, um, I think they would have much rather seen Bailey take out the Bellas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of a bummer. I mean, I, I, it, it just sort of, you know, right before the beta bed spot, I thought, I don't know. I don't know what people's expectations were, uh, but I know I was very much expecting Becky Lynch. We talked about all the cards that typically they could play at WrestleMania that they weren't able to play this year for various reasons, whether it was Cena or Lesnar or whoever else. It, you know, this seemed like one that could have been played. And I don't know what the circumstances are, why she wasn't there. Uh, but I, I mean, I guess you can't fault WWE to be. it's not like they advertise something and did a bait and switch. Uh, But it was just sort of surprising that, you know, that's worth talking about. There there wasn't anything over two nights or nothing nothing that that was sort of like that WrestleMania surprise. Just, you know, the the card was what it was. They delivered on everything, but but no surprise appearances, returns, debuts, nothing like that.
0: No, there wasn't. They they really went 100 percent on the merits of the matches themselves. I mean, I think there's something to be said for that. They weren't really. It wasn't a whole lot of, of, of kind of uh, weird, overbooked finishes. Um, it was a, a lot of the finishes were, were very clean, even heels going over clean. It, it, it had a very different feel. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It just had a very different feel in the way it was almost like there was this feeling like they didn't have to overdo it for whatever reason. Uh, and, and I think I think that came off well. I don't think they necessarily needed it. I wouldn't have minded like somebody like Brock showing up or something like that. But I don't or Cena. But I don't think it was sorely missed or anything. It wasn't like I came across uh, away from the show thinking, oh, you know, it really could have used more of this or that. I, I I don't think so. I think I think the only thing that would have helped night two would have just been better matches and better programs.
1: Yeah, you know, you, you talk about that, and I and I've even thought about like you Know this whole idea of like, well, maybe if this they move this match to this night or this match to this night. The reality is, you know, just maybe don't book some of those matches that you booked, even don't book bad matches. Um, and and I, I again, not knowing that not everything is going to be um, a four star match, but I do think that there is a, a formula. Russell May 17, I know you mentioned, I think, about the last one kind of being the, that the gold standard of WrestleMania, you look at that card, not, not everything was um, targeted as that four star match. I mean, you had like a, a great wrestler, like Eddie Guerrero working with tests that night, but that match really worked uh, actually. And even stuff like the gimmick battle Royal really worked added to the card of uh, uh, Shane McMahon and Bits of Man for what it was really worked. I, mm-hmm. I think there's a, a, a formula. In. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. and, um, Again, I think there's a, a, a formula for that, and some of that, especially night two, was missing. This just felt like kind of a bunch of collection of matches of people who are, fe- are feuding now, and and I do think you need more of the sizzle, and that sizzle was missing. I think a lot, uh, in particular, in, in, in night two, where it just was. I think they thought the sizzle was Orton and Fiend and, and and the spectacle of that, but that was just a disaster. And then removed from that, there really wasn't anything the rest of the night until the main event. Uh, which we're getting to now, and, and I thought was phenomenal. Uh, you know, I had, I had high hopes and was worried about being let down because that often happens um, with these kind of matches, especially last match on the card, you know, whatever time constraints there are at that, that point, you know, whatever you're dealing with with the, with the crowd, being there, uh, a lot of them for, for two nights, and uh, it, it's tricky putting on a good main event. Uh, especially over over two nights, and even the weather issues. So, for for all the high hopes I had for this match, I was also worried that it was going to fall short, and it did it. I thought it was uh, phenomenal. I loved it. I loved the finish. Uh, you know, there there was all this talk of, uh, including for me, it's speculation: is is the triple threat a way of beating Roman Reigns without beating Roman Reigns? And they kind of took that theory and, like, you know, stuck it up the fans, you know, and saying, no, not only is is this not about um, taking the belt off of him without him losing, he's going to pin both of them. Uh, And I thought it was just uh, fantastic, well executed, the right length, uh, tons of action throughout, the near falls. I thought everybody shined um, and loved uh, Roman Reigns triumphant at the end. To me, this felt, and, and I think this was the case from WrestleMania um, for for the whole build to WrestleMania. This does feel, in some ways, kind of like a a transition WrestleMania. And, and Roman Reigns talked about that. You know, that this was not the year that you were going to deliver Reigns versus The Rock because of all the circumstances. You know, limited capacity, um, so it was kind of a stopgap year. And and because of that, I thought this was the right story to tell and the right finish. It was about. Roman Reigns is the man in WWE, and um, there is no sign of that coming to an end anytime soon.
0: Yeah, uh, it it worked in the end. We we weren't sure where it was going to go. And, you know, I was definitely believing they were going to, you know, have him lose the title without losing the match, you know, without getting pinned and then eventually get it back and just get back on track to what he was doing. They didn't even bother with that. They just, yeah, he is on fire and they're just keeping him that way. And, you know, also my hat is off to Daniel Bryan because, you know, it, it, it seemed very shady to me how all of a sudden, you know, he's in he's on the creative team and now he's magically back in the main event of WrestleMania. All of a sudden, you know, it's kind of smushed into a triple threat. It just didn't come across well to me. And um, thankfully, it didn't turn into what I was afraid it was going to be. And, and it wound up it wound up working. I still will say that I would have preferred still to see uh, Edge versus Reigns just one-on-one. However, um, the one thing that I loved – truly love that you wouldn't have been able to get out of that match was like you said, him pinning the two guys at once. I think that that alone is probably what made it worth it more than anything else, even doing the triple threat, just the visual of having him do that. Uh And also how great was it to see now? It's like the true, this to me was like the true emergence of the heel Roman reigns. Cause now he's got the crowd. Now he's got people booing him and he's Yes. Shouting, He's shouting right back at them, which he could never do. You know he wanted to do that in his heart when he was a face. (laughs) and You know he wanted to, but he was holding back. And now he gets to do it, and he gets to play off of them. And it was like on a whole other level. And I really did feel, maybe I'm wrong, I did feel like it was the good kind of heat. It wasn't the kind of heat he got before of, you know, get this guy out of here, what is this crap? It was really like the heat you want a heel like him to get and, and it's working it, this is working to me now. And now you can really see that it's working.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about that, you know, uh, the, the mystery of uh, whether a guy is over uh, or not in the the pandemic era, the Thunderdome era. And um, you know, with Drew McIntyre, I I don't know that they got a decisive uh, or or, a a clear answer to that, you know, um, given where the match was and who he worked with with um the fiend i think they got a surprising answer that and Randy Orton that the fans rejected um, you know they, they were not on the same page from where wwe thought they were but with roman reigns i think as you touched on it's like yeah they, they've got it what they expected um is is where the fans are right so so i think um uh, that was sort of pitch perfect you know fans absolutely are buying the character the way it's been presented in the last several months um, so I thought it was terrific. Uh, you know, I, I also thought um, that Edge and Roman uh, as a one-on-one was the cleaner storyline, the, the easier um, to tell a story. Uh, I've got to say, to me, that they, they made up that gap. They, they bridged that gap. And by the time that the match came to the ring, um, I, I, I was very much into this as the main event of WrestleMania. Very excited. I think they did an effective job. The last few weeks of building um, a three-way feud, which is tough to do. Again, uh, it, it it is it is tough to organically um, tell a story of three people feuding with each other, where where everybody has an issue with each other uh, equally. You know, I think back to WrestleMania 20 with Triple H and Shawn Michaels and uh, Chris Benoit, and I don't know that they did it there then. You know, I, I I don't think it was. Sort of equal, you know, the the the, the animus be, uh, between the three guys, uh, and in here, um, I think they did do a good job. You know, Roman Scrudge against Edge, um, Roman Scrudge against Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan Scrudge against Edge, and against Roman, it really did feel uh, kind of uh, balanced. And so when the match came to the ring, it felt like a, a bona fide, legit WrestleMania main event. So uh, I, I loved it. Uh, a couple things uh, going forward. W- what do you do here? I mean, do you think that they they still go to Edge and Roman? I mean, that's the one match that they they haven't done out of um, these three. You know, is that a main event for Backlash? Maybe something like that.
0: Maybe because now, if you notice, they're they're now calling it WrestleMania Backlash, which which always it it was sort you know unofficially it was sort of like the backlash of WrestleMania. But now, like it seems like the, the WrestleMania name is is part of the name of this pay-per-view, at least this year. And so you you tend to think that they'd be very conscious of building matches directly out of what happened at WrestleMania when they can. And you know, I, yeah, I'm thinking maybe that's what they do because that hasn't that hasn't been done yet. And maybe if they didn't have enough confidence in it for WrestleMania for whatever reason, maybe they'll let it go with backlash. Of course, then you have the problem of, you know, now Edge comes back and now he's losing twice in a row and getting pinned in both of these pay-per-views. And you're thinking, well, why did they even bring him back, you know, in, in a way? But but I mean, uh, but it, it still would sort of make sense for the Roman Reigns side of things.
1: Well, well, that said, I mean, do you think it's the case that that belt needs to stay on Roman Reigns um, until – you know, the right guy materializes, you know, whoever that is, is it the rock a year from now or even two years from
0: now? I think he's really working as this heel champion. And I think right now, the way things are right now, it would be a mistake to take it off of him. Uh, I think sometimes, sometimes doing that, I know they like to try to shake things up. It it sometimes does real harm. Like I I really do think that uh, McIntyre losing to Orton and getting it back Hurt him in the long run. I really think that it did because he was somebody that needed to be kept as strong as possible and they failed to do that. And I think Reigns is so hot as a heel right now. I don't think you want to mess this up. There's no sign of it letting up. Uh, I I just don't see, you know, until a face comes along, who's even worthy of, of, I don't, I'm not even going to say worthy of like, knocking him out of the box completely, but even worthy of taking it from him and then losing it back to him. I don't even think there's anybody right now that, that you want to do that with. I say, keep it on him, keep him strong, keep it going. I'm not saying he needs to hold it all the way till, you know, next year, if he winds up facing the rock next year, but maybe he does, but I'm just saying, take, take it as it comes. And right now, keep it on him.
1: Yeah. Uh, A couple things about uh, uh, the future of him. Uh, Maybe, maybe, you know, one of the things to do with them is uh, you just kind of answered uh, your own question. And that's Drew McIntyre, right? I mean, if, if there is a shakeup and Drew may be benefiting from a, a fresh coat of paint um, after losing uh, to, to Lashley, do you move Drew over to, to SmackDown? And you've got that as a program um, for some time, maybe take you through through around SummerSlam Another one that I wondered about after um, takeover last week is Finn Balor. You know, is is it time to move? uh, Because Finn is huge over now and I think doing terrific work. Uh, Is it the right time now maybe to move him back to the main roster and right into that that main event pitcher um, with uh, uh, Roman Reigns? And I think that's a a fresh program that we haven't seen. Um, So I'd like to see either of
0: those. Yeah, maybe that's the key too. Is you know, there's a lot of people that he could work with. There really is, especially because they've turned him now. I mean, that that as it always does when you turn people, it opens up the door to all new kinds of matchups and feuds and things like what they did with Owens. I thought that that worked really well. Uh, you know, what they did with with uh, Daniel Bryan. I mean, it just opens up a lot of doors. There's no reason that he should stagnate at all, you know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a long-term heel champion. I mean, yeah. Punk was great at it. You know, I, and Brock Lesnar, I thought me personally that he was great at it. I mean, it could work. And I think Roman Reigns could be great at it too.
1: Yeah. So here's my thought for WrestleMania 38, right? Uh, uh, bear with me. Uh, Dallas, Texas, 103,000 fans, Roman Reigns versus Steve Austin. Is, is this the time to play that card? Pay Steve whatever he wants. You know, five million bucks, ten million bucks, one night. Um, you know, get get in in ring shape, come out of retirement in in you know in your state, your crowd, a hundred thousand people, break a record because uh, everybody's you know kind of going to the the Rock and Roman Reigns, which clearly is the long term plan. But before that, let let's say that's you know uh, the following year in Hollywood, which makes a lot of sense. Um, can a chapter of that story be? Roman Reigns and Steve Austin.
0: Yeah, but (laughs) Steve Austin hasn't worked in 18 years. I
1: know, but you got a a year to get ready.
0: Yeah, but that's not even, it's a couple of things. First of all, I mean, like he has, I'm sure he's been offered many, many things in that time. He hasn't even, there hasn't even been a a, a slightest whisper of him even considering doing anything. No,
1: I I don't know if that's true. I mean, I I remember a couple of years ago, he seemed to at least be sort of flirting with the idea. I think you talked about, um, taking some some bumps in the ring and, and feeling pretty good. So, you know, obviously there there might be health issues that, that completely throw it out. But I just wonder if there is uh and and you know, maybe it's an opportunity to, to pull out every smoke and mirror, you know, sting in Triple H a few years ago. Uh
0: I also hate to say it, but I wonder how much steam he still has because with fans, because you're talking about 18 years and, you know, he's not the rock in the sense that the rock is still extremely visible in popular culture. The rock has had matches over the past, you know, since that match with Austin at WrestleMania 19, like, like uh, he, he's much more visible and over. I feel than Austin at this point, I feel like, Austin very much at this point has become a figure of the past. Uh, Not as much of the distant past as Hogan. Yeah, it's kind of the
1: Hogan uh, conversation we were just having. Not
0: not to that point uh, where he's like that. But but he is, um, I think, to the younger fans, I don't think they really have much of a sense of him. And I don't know how much confidence I would have in that match. I would love to see it if it was over and if the people were into it, but I will say this, I don't know how, how much uh, this is known, but I mean, the nature of his neck injury is really the number one reason why he has never come back. The type of surgery that he had when he broke his neck uh, was very experimental. So uh, it, he got the, 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 the surgery. A lot of the times they get the surgery where they fuse the vertebrae together. And what he wound up doing was, A different type where they kind of shave the bone down. And when you do that, you you lose the ability to really take any kind of like serious bumps to your neck without the danger of paralysis. And so he has a very, very serious fear. Of, of becoming paralyzed like a real fear and that is the number one thing that has kept him out of the ring this long and i don't know if maybe there's a way to if somehow he had some type of repair work done that could change that but i know that was he was very much against ever coming back because of that neck problem
1: yeah and, and look i'm only being kind of half serious here i certainly wouldn't want to do anything that would jeopardize his health not that it's even on the table if um if that was the case uh but you know you see crazier things you know we saw edge step away for for nine years and come back you edge daniel bryan were all guys who uh absolutely have had wrestled their last match granted those guys are a lot younger than steve austin is right now um, i just looked it up steve austin will be 57 come uh next wrestlemania cosmetically at least he looks fantastic right i mean i think he could go in there in a pair of black trunks and look like stone cold steve austin that doesn't mean anything obviously in terms of what, what he could actually do in the ring. Um, but I don't know, I, I think it's at least worth thinking about and, and uh, me very much not knowing what, what the reality is in terms of his health or anything like that. Uh, but I'd say this much, if, if, um, he's healthy enough that it's possible, um, if there was ever an opportunity, if there was ever the right opportunity to try to make that work, I, I would think, um, uh, this would be it, you know, and, and granted, I'm, a, I, this is why I put up together that feature in, in the new issue of matches um, that, that I think it's a shame that we never got. And uh, I mean, I've got Hulk Hogan and, and John Cena uh, in there. I think there was a way to have made that work at some point uh, in time. So, yeah, you know, um, and, and Hogan would have been around the same age. So uh, I don't know. It, it, I, I wonder uh and I'd be curious if um, at least there's not conversations happening because obviously Steve Austin all over that commercial for uh, WrestleMania next year. Uh, very true. Very true. Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Um, you know, uh, even some of this, this nitpicking and, and some disappointments um, I think a, a really strong WrestleMania and uh, a feel good WrestleMania uh, in that, um, It's been so long. It's going to be kind of a bummer, you know, raw tomorrow night being back in the Thunderdome. Um, You know, I think, I think fans are now have got a taste for this. And I imagine very much wanted to go back to being, you know, like, like the good old days, you know, butts and seats.
0: Yeah, that's true. I hadn't even thought of that till you just said it. <laughs> that is yeah. very depressing now. Right, they're going back to that, oh my god. Yeah, I mean like, god, I really, you're right. I mean, I can't wait for them to be able to get back to the live crowds full-time again, hopefully. I mean, I don't know. I don't even want to speculate. End of summer? I don't know. The hell
1: yeah, I mean hopefully they uh, aside from just putting on um, a, a big show and a successful show, uh, maybe they learn some stuff about how you can do this, you know, uh, on, on, on both ends, you know, did they overreach in in some stuff and then they realize, you know, maybe this is, there's a way to do this safely. Uh, so, you know, uh, uh, maybe for SummerSlam, there's a way to do an an outdoor SummerSlam with 5,000 fans, something like that. Um, so who knows, hopefully. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you so much, Brian. I hope you enjoyed this show as much as I did. Uh, thanks everybody for listening and, uh, staying up late with us here and, uh, we'll do it again soon.